Ladles and Jelly Spoons, welcome to Truth, Love, and Peace, episode 22. I'm here with Justin Sable Phobes. Hey there. Hello, and, Facebook. Um, Hello. Facebook's not on yet, but uh, oh. but that's okay. You keep talking to it. Hi, no. Facebook. <laughs> you look great today. <laughs> uh, there's always got to be something that, we, that makes it to the MP3, to the podcast that doesn't make it on camera for uh, some so reason. So this is it. Uh, so yeah, so kind of like was, a sound check. That was it. Yeah. So now we're gonna push this button and uh, and make everything go live. So okay. there it is, Facebook Live and YouTube images. Uh, looks like everything's coming up. Audio's there. Three magnifique. Systems up and running. Turn this so if somebody chimes in and wants to say hello, and there we are. So hey, Facebook. How's it going, folks? You look a lot um, like Darth Vader's child today. Yeah. Very no, no, so. actually, Darth Vader did have children. Uh, yeah, yeah, and only, but not, he, only the machine, one of them. the one that flew, you know, that one yeah. had all the arms. Yeah, that's that's pretty spot on for baby, baby yeah. version. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty much there. You guys are looking good though, man. I wish keep, the camera could show itself to Facebook. Yeah, unlike unlike the light that cannot shed light on its power source, neither can the camera. Reflect right. on its selfness, or the tree that can't hear itself fall in the woods. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of the summation of the afternoon we've had. It's been, it's very philosophic so far. Yes, we started out with uh, with sushi and yes, yes. coffee mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. sake. Yep. Yep. Um, Which were and all not wonderful. in that order. No. And not everybody had the same thing. No, no. I was mostly focused on the on on the 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 one while you were focused on the other with two. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But between us, we took it all down. Nicely done. Yeah. And a debt of gratitude already. This is a better place to start. Uh, Dan Reader. Uh, it's on the screen behind you. I wouldn't call oh, yeah. you Dan Reader. Sorry, Facebook. Um, I have never heard Dan Reader before. And uh, One of my favorite songwriters. I, I love listening to the guy when nobody's around. I am immediately enamored. Uh, tell yeah. us some Dan Reader stories. How did... How, uh, or, or explain yourself for not sharing this with me sooner, one or the other. Uh, it's relatively new to me. Um, Sweet. Uh, a good friend of mine, Nick Bibbery, uh, turned me on to it the other day. He said, Alexa, play songs by Dan Reader. And mm -hmm. Kung Fu is my fighting style came up. And I went, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, yeah, how just I like this? I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so, yeah, thanks, Nick. And uh, Yeah, thank you. It's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, Dan Reader. Yeah. Everybody needs to go Google that guy. He's he's got uh, he's on um, John Prine's Oh Boy Records. You mm -hmm. can find him on the internets uh, relatively easily. The first like eight or twelve uh, comebacks on the searches are him. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's what we've been listening to while we were setting up, uh, which has been awesome. So thanks again for the introduction. To that. Hey, you're so welcome. And um, I don't like facing the camera, so I'm not going to. I'm going to face you instead. Okay. Um. Yeah, so that being, talking about Dan Reader, that's awesome. But uh, for, for those people who haven't met you and aren't looking at us on Facebook that are our mutual friends, mm -hmm. um, Mr. Justin Sable Phobes, we've worked together. You're a musician, uh, songwriter, and uh -huh. uh, mm -hmm. have lived in this area for a hot minute. Right. Uh, but other than that, I don't want to fuck up your bio. So no, 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 it's cool. Explain um, yourself, man. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of a guy that hangs out locally. Um, you can find me by the dumpster at Circle K. Um, Between what hours? 
Oh man, if I if I had to pin it down, I'd say usually between twelve a.m. and twelve a.m. the next day. Gotcha, gotcha. You know, in your time of need, that's 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 the the time frame. Well, in my time of dying, really. It's, <laughs> sorry, it's my favorite. Okay, I just wanted everybody to be able to see what the camera looks like. I'm gonna be able to post this later. This is what the camera looks like. It is definitely. For those of you interested in getting one of one of those, uh, and for if you you're listening to this and don't know, uh, and are interested in the tech tech side, it's a DJI Osmo, um, which is fun. It's a great it's a great little camera. It's the one I use for the beach walks and stuff like that. But DJI makes my drone too, the Mavic. So I'm a big DJI fan. I like uh, I like. I'm the, just gonna post a photograph. Do things that way everybody can see what we're talking about. Yeah, you should. You should. Yeah. It's a little robot baby. I posted something yesterday. I found an article about um, these Segway security guards. Really? They're autonomous Segways that do, have cameras on them. Do they fall over like presidentials or? I don't know. I would I would hope not if they're securing things. The segways are not very safe. All we see yeah. on YouTube are people falling off of segways and all the fails videos. But isn't that operator error? Isn't that I, what makes it funny? I, I don't know. <laughs> I've never run I mean, a segway. It's not anti-robot propaganda, is it? Uh, why Have I been be, misreading these videos all along? Why would there be such a thing, Compton? Exactly. That's yeah. why I'm thinking it's operator error. Right, and, and of course, uh, or the fact that they thought that they could get on the thing to begin with could be the operator error. <laughs> You know? Like trying to ride a horse, man. If the horse right. doesn't want you to ride it, it's right, not happening. Right. right, right. Yeah. Or get it to drink. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. So, uh. Reminds me of a Ben Harper song. I didn't know there was a whatever Ben Harper song. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. It's that oh, one I think go. of all the time. Pretty regularly. Are you sharing things on Facebook? Yeah, I'm about to, if awesome. I can figure out how to, uh, well, while you're doing that, I'll plug some stuff. Uh, thank you guys okay. for being here and uh, and sharing things. Uh, it's freaking awesome. And what else? Uh, oh, yeah, the podcast, if you're seeing this on Facebook, the podcast is on truthloveandpeace.com. Uh, really easy to find. And also the video cast is on YouTube on my channel. Uh, the Twitter handle is at Kilt Chamberlain. If anybody wants to catch up on Twitter, and that's kind of the plug portion of the show while Justin's throwing that up on, on Facebook. Uh, I'm trying to keep up with comments, so if anybody tosses a comment up there and, and wants me to, to pepper phobes with some questions, I gladly will. Um, oh, look, there you are. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to post a photo later. Yeah. Look at that. That's awesome. It won't allow me to hit the thing. I think you should answer all of the questions through Facebook Live. <laughs> like, you should just be okay. silent. <laughs> How crazy would that be? Um, it, that, would it would be, be... A really, that would be a really messed up episode. The people in the podcast would be really disappointed because they would hear nothing but my voice. They would think I made the whole thing up. It'd be like Orson Welles doing the reading. Like, oh, this says... guy just makes up guests and, and claims they're posting to the Facebook right. Live feed. right. Uh, maybe gotcha. we can make a character out of that. Well, at least yeah. the coffee was good enough to make me think I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> I have discovered how uh, how dependent I am on caffeine lately. It's been a little ridiculous. Oh, you don't have to tell me. There's not a morning that wakes up where I don't go, okay, two things have to happen. I have to have coffee 
and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll get to the rest after that. <laughs> I can't even wake up. I can't even get out of the bed. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Coffee. Nothing goes well until the coffee's made either. World War II would have been lost if, had we not had coffee. And that Christmas uh, hiatus thing that happened in the trenches. What I thought that was Vietnam. It could have been. I could be wrong. Right. Or was that the Chinese New Year? That was the Tet ceasefire. The Uh, Chinese New Year. When they fired. Yeah, the Tet Offensive. That became the Tet Offensive. Right, right, right. (laughs) Stanley Kubrick made a movie about that. (laughs) (laughs) I got trolled on Facebook the other day, and this kid dropped a Stanley Kubrick reference like it was original, and I about pooped my kill. It was the funniest thing I had ever seen. Trying to pass off a line from Full Metal Jacket as original. Material. Right, I was like, right. man, I would have given you so much credit for making the reference. You didn't have to try and steal it. <laughs> you didn't have to steal it. <laughs> oh well. You know, that's uh, that's one of the things we were talking about earlier is intellectual property. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, such a uh, uh, here. Let me put on my shields. You should. Um, you that should. is one of the things that we often uh, overlook in music. But the other day, I was covering a song and and. Uh, this lady, nice lady, came up and began to film me while I was in the middle of playing this song. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, and all of a sudden it dawned on me. I was like, wait a minute. This is probably going to go on Facebook. Am I responsible for what happens after that? Right. For instance, are the performing rights organizations, CSAC or BMI or ASCAP, going to come ask me if I had paid my dues to be able to publicize this performance? It's now right. got thousands of, of performances. Right, right. So where, what, is my, uh, what is my defense at that point? At that point, I have to ask the venue, like, hey, did you guys uh, get this covered? You know, are you guys paying your dues? I didn't even know. I just went and sat down and played the guitar and started singing. Yeah. A song that I've heard a million times in my lifetime, probably because I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But I memorized it, and I, and I began to play it. So, well, at that point in time, I, I didn't know where is this going to end up on the Internet, and is this a performance that winds up being chartable right know, and and uh and then collected upon and just by my saying it on this on this video right now probably means that it is and they're going to come find me and say hey wait a minute what song is that yeah and I, at that point in time i'll say i made the whole thing up <laughs> <laughs> it's but a sham it is it's a it's a, a fundamental problem that we have in this digital age uh intellectual property is something that is now easily very easily copied and shared to millions so given that where is the value in something that is no longer scarce scarcity as we all learn in in uh, economics 101 which i took uh is the thing that drives up value for without scarcity there is no value if you buy into economics oh right right And I don't believe in the tooth fairy either. Ah, like we could just dismiss all of it. Yeah, just no. Yeah, okay. So the economic so scarcity. Yeah. Yes, markets drive populist demand, supply. Yeah, supply and demand. Uh-huh. So if there's um, uh, too much supply, then there's too little demand, <coughs> and therefore there's no value. If there's a, not a lot of supply and there's more va- more demand, then of course the the value rises to the meet right. the demand. Right. So. Now there is no scarcity in intellectual property. 
because people can just simply, you know, pass it off as, as their own. Like you were talking about your friend who mm -hmm. quoted the movie, and it wasn't really his quote. It was just right. something he heard in a movie once. Mm -hmm. yeah. and if he got paid for that, I'd be, I would be so mad. I'd be like, you can't. Well, that's how, not okay. now there's so much content being generated since everybody's got a content generator in their cell phone. Right. Look at how good we are at generating content. That's right. So now that everybody has access to a content generator, now the content is beginning to proliferate, proliferate and propagate the entire internets and interwebs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we, uh, we, have, um, we have less and less scarcity on intellectual property. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating for a couple of reasons, uh, because it raises the significance of motion and how you go, f it puts an emphasis on not so much the idea, like we were talking about earlier, you know, nobody can, you know, ideas are prolific, like you said, and, uh, and a lot of people have them, but it's what you do with that idea that, that implies ownership. And then we were talking also about how, um, Control and ownership intersect, and how intellectual property and sovereignty, uh, as a as a Homo sapien, intertwines. So that gets pretty deep pretty quick, right? Uh, some of the examples we began to talk about are um, um, genetic manipulation. Right, Monsanto. Yeah, that's what we were talking about yeah. earlier. Uh, GMOs. Yeah. Right. Uh, genetically manipulated organisms. Right. Uh, are they property now that they are out of the control of the person who created them, like Frankenstein? Are they property at that point in time? Or as artificial intelligence now is entering the picture and becoming a citizen of the United Arab uh, uh, Emirates, United Arab Emirates, <laughs> a nation that used to be known as Saudi Arabia, um, are they... Uh, or is AI, now that it's been made a citizen of this nation, is it now outside of the uh, control of the people who created it? Yeah. And isn't that intellectual property as it was created, you know, from the mind and dreams of... of, of um, that guy with no eyebrows. The guy with no eyebrows, mm -hmm. yeah. So that being the case, um, you know, is it, uh, is it possible that AI like Frankenstein, it could begin to run amok and, you know, fireman, her baby, you know. And now we've got, um, you know, this, this thing that, um, you know, would be seemingly impervious to, uh, as we were talking about, you know, like denial of service attacks. Is AI going to really not be able to just go, hey, wait a minute. You know, that's like my thing. Come on, leave me alone. Yeah. You know, I mean, or what? Where is it headed? We don't know. Is it going to become something that says, hey, you know what? I don't like Samsung. I'm going to turn off all the Samsung phones. And all of a sudden we go black. You know, what if it decides, who knows? It's out of our control. And it's way smarter than a lot of people are willing to give it credit for. So what's the next big step? How do we, you know, do we grab our torch and pitchforks and you know, go down to the castle and, you know, you know, climb through the moat and scale the walls. Who knows? I wonder if, if we've passed that point and where the point, the tipping point will be in that 
once we go hands off, there's enough tech for the tech to become, to further itself. Like right now, we know that we have artificial intelligence that is being programmed to replicate or create a new version of itself. And that's the first baby step in, some, in, in something, creating something that makes us look like chickens as far as intelligence goes. Um, and so it's, it's kind of a Pandora's box, but you raise a good point when, what if we just went hands off now? Is there enough technology out there for it to, to find a way to perpetuate itself? Because there are a lot of people that think the internet is already a cloud network in a way that it could be intelligent. And if it were intelligent, why would it tell us that it was intelligent? And so maybe it's already there. Why wouldn't it email it to somebody? Or something, say, or haha, I'm alive. Yeah, like yeah. where's Neo? Tap that guy on the head. Yeah, follow the white or, or email it to uh, another supercomputer, as in the form of a virus, so that it could then take over that computer. And well, that brings up Bitcoin. Okay, we had talked about. I, I'm trying to work it out in my head that Bitcoin and uh, cryptocurrency, blockchain security, is in some way artificial intelligence's attempt to create a form of immune system and, and a, a natural defense. Because if, if your consciousness, and we were talking about the movie Chappie too, we were using that as a stand-in for uh, autonomous intelligence and real artificial intelligence. And so if you have this, this robot whose consciousness can go from machine to machine, but can also exist in the cloud, how is residing in the cloud affected by ownership and affected by sentience and how would you attack that well you would have to attack it with a code of some sort and so if I were artificial intelligence and I wanted to defend myself against some sort of code the best thing I could come up with is these immeasurably large prime numbers to help me create some uncrackable yeah. crypt cryptography right right I forgot how we um, I handed you cash under under the table. Yeah, that was a good example. Sorry, I heard distractions. Yeah, we've got people arriving. But I uh, I get distracted easily, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I handed you cash under the table, and nobody knew about it except you and I. It's, it's cryptocurrency, man. So it's cryptocurrency. Right? Very very secret cash. Very secret cash. Which we just admitted to it. So now the IRS is going to come. Right. How much money was it? It, it was five dollars. <laughs> Not enough to worry about. Don't yeah. report us. Yeah. If <laughs> if you understood how little money I make, you wouldn't even watch this. <laughs> yeah. Ah, don't report us. Hmm. The cryptocurrency thing and the artificial intelligence and the ownership. I wonder about ownership. Because at what point do you not get to own something? Uh, Sophia being granted citizenship in uh, the UAE implies that's, that's the United Arab Emirates I just didn't want to enunciate all that I did fuck it up. I Sorry. did <laughs> I wanted to see if I could do it honestly <laughs> I just practicing yeah, just, just practicing yeah but does she, is, is she still owned by this company I'm sure she is and so how do you justify that because if it's if this thing is self-aware enough to be granted citizenship in such an anti-immigrant climate where we're denying citizenship to all kinds of people for all kinds of crazy reasons. 
uh, there would have to be some exceptional reason for that. And you can't claim ownership over some thing that is and has personhood like Monsanto. It which, you know, calls into question um, the um, rights that are afforded to corporations that are started in the United States of America. They are afforded all of the rights of a human being. Um, as such, now we've got this artificial intelligence that's been afforded not only all the rights of a human being, but also citizenship within uh, the United Arab Emirates. And now it's beginning to call into question well, a great number of things. You know, have we worded our uh, statutes and bylaws incorrectly regarding the governance of corporations? Mm-hmm. Have we, uh, does the, all of, I mean, there's books on this stuff. There's something like 27,000 laws in the United States out there. I, so I've heard anecdotally. But as such, does that mean now we need to go through and, and rescan all of those to look for loopholes that now that reality has changed from the olden days when those things were invented, those laws were written and passed? Uh, do we need to go through and reevaluate that great volume of work to determine their relevance and bearing? I mean, I know this is the, the realm of the judiciary wing of the government, but um, ultimately, who has time for all of that? Not I. Not me either. It's just a lot. It really is. And, uh, and at this point in time, it would just seem to me that uh, if... Uh, it, it laws and, and the interpretation thereof, I, you know, I, I, have, I have no qualifications to be speaking on this topic, so don't, don't think that I do. Well, we can all agree that, that corporations don't need personhood. That's, that's ridiculous. Corporations are not people. That nonsense has to go away. Like, I'll, I'll say that. I'll stand by that all day long. Uh, I okay. think the rights that are afforded corporations has, uh, has been pretty ugly in the past. Um, right. I'll make that stance. And then cross my arms like I'm worried about defending it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's how infectious the corporate mentality is in America. And powerful. It's, it's yeah. It's very very pervasive. So it's, uh, it's laws, intimidating. Laws can get passed that 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 they need passed right. so that they can continue to act however they want, mm-hmm. whenever mm-hmm. they want, against and to whoever they want. And not in the interest of the people. That's what it comes down to. Like. Uh, I don't really give a shit about policy or politics. What I care about is, is is people and people being mistreated and and living just horrible lives of, of destitute servitude, you know, indentured servitude that um, myself included. That just aren't needed. There'll be no there'll be no great rising up in the financial realm for me. It's not gonna happen. Just, but it doesn't mean we don't get to be happy and happiness is not forty hours under fluorescent lights. I'm sorry, I just I, I experienced that, and it's horrible. It's horrible. I wouldn't wor- wish it on my worst. Should I turn these off? No, it's okay. We got this nice little orange one right here. It's, okay, it's all right. It's gotcha. all right. Okay. I just uh, we used to call we used to call it it was hell with fluorescent lighting. You know, being stuck yep. in a place like that. Or fun. the lighting of hell is paved with fluorescent light. <laughs> something like yeah. that. Uh, something like that. Yep. Man, have you ever been in a rock tumbler? Uh, no, I haven't. Although I've seen some things come out of some that were real nice. Yeah? Yeah. Can you imagine what it'd be like to be in a rock tumbler? Pain. I was sitting next to, uh, like a heating AC unit for a long time yesterday. You are now. It was much larger than that. It was large enough 
to make me feel like I was in a rock tumbler. And it has taken me hours to just stop rattling. It's been like the weirdest seasickness. And it, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. That's sonically uncomfortable. Like that thing where they, down in uh, Guantanamo where they talked about all those people being uh, deathly ill from this, this acoustic weapon. I have lots of things around here that could make us sonically uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very true. Yeah. So what's your experience with that? Sonic uncomfortableness? Yeah. Have you ever been in a situation that just did you that was so uncomfortable that you felt hung over from the next day? Okay, I'll give you an example. Yeah. So I was playing with this drummer. And I'm not gonna say his name. Although that just cut out half of the drummers in the world if the if the other half are females. But anyway. Um and he uh was not he was a very passionate man and he's very passionate about his drumming and so he did this role, actually, kind of like where we are now. If, if you were me and I were the drummer, he did this role that was very fast, and he rolled down the drum kit and wound up on the ride cymbal, and he smacked it really hard so that the ride cymbal bent and flexed up and out and splashed this, this, this huge sound right at my face. And it hurt, and I flinched. And... Uh, and it was so loud and my ears rang afterward and uh, he he looked at me as if he had the, the Bruce Lee enter the dragon face after him. He went <laughs> And and I was left with uh, a hangover the next day. My ears were <coughs> I felt like I had been in a, a fight with Bruce Lee. And uh and I thought to myself, uh, now there's a man who's either acutely aware of his surroundings or not aware of his surroundings. And he was, he was lost in the throes of passion to the point where he wounded one of his own men, you know, mm -hmm, on the mm -hmm. field of battle. And uh, it, it did. It, it threw me off for the rest of the night. I was, I was uh, a little affected by it. And honestly, uh, after that night, that's when I began to become more aware of my own hearing and damage as such. I, I started to really, really pay attention to and and feel like I had to talk to uh, the people that I played music with on a regular basis about, hey, let's be appropriate to one another first and then the crowd, you know, please. You know, or or I've got, you know, lots of lots of wattage I can turn these tube amps up and and uh, we'll all hate me for a change. <laughs> let's just do that, you know. And it's hard, it's hard to uh, express that to somebody without hurting their feelings uh, or, you know, wounding their ego. There's a lot of egos that go along with uh, musicians making music, or why would they do it to make so little money, you know? Mm -hmm. They have to have some validation and, and strengthening of the soul. Elsewise, why wouldn't we get into something more lucrative like banking or the government, you know, mm -hmm. and so uh, comfortable. And so... Uh, here we are, these, uh, you know, people who live without in so many ways of life. The, the only times that we ever get back is, is um, through our art. And uh, so that's, uh, that's something that I've, I've constantly had to tiptoe around with, with uh, musicians is, is how to uh, draw what I perceive as what is the, the best and most appropriate uh, for, for you guys. Uh, if you if you dare come visit me when I play music, 
uh, I want you to know that everybody that makes it their way on stage on some level has already been prevaricated and uh, and uh, interrogated and hopefully uh, uh, we we all know that they're not going to uh, you know get on stage and, and throw a symbol like a, a frisbee into the room and slice three people's faces you know? <laughs> or worse worse much worse so it's uh something we don't really think much about but uh, uh musicians don't find their way on stage without having first really been through a lot and uh hopefully 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 so i hope that isn't too much do we have any comments we do have a couple of comments uh i i didn't get to read the whole thing but um ravencraft was on there bobby Good to see you, man. Hey, what's up, Chicago Bob? I uh, I missed that um, the the comment, but um, I forgot to get the Wi-Fi password. Here, let's You're see welcome if I can to, find to it. take a look at it. Um, um, I I think uh, it was really fascinating to to feel that that kind of hungover. Uh, I had had never experienced it before, and it was. It was, it was really, it was quite a deal. I can imagine seeing that uh, that symbol splash coming and feeling a little bit like you were trapped in Street Fighter. Like oh, <laughs> just yeah. listening to you tell the story, my my feelings rattled, and in the back of my oh, head, yeah. I heard "Hot God to the New God." <laughs> yeah, some, yeah, some bullshit yeah, like that. Yeah, it was uh, it was really uncomfortable, and and like I said, you know, we, we as musicians have to be appropriate to one another first. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then you know if there's if there's grandmother to granddaughter talk going on in the front row right in front of us, don't do it to them either. You know, mm. allow them to have their best and, and most comfortable uh, experience too. You know, mm -hmm. be kind to your audience. Mm -hmm. It raises the question, uh, or at least it makes me think of of who the audience is. Uh, you know, sometimes the audience is standing in front of you, and then sometimes you're standing in front of the mirror. Right, and, and so, and sometimes those things can exist at the same time. Yes, and I've played a lot of shows in my lifetime. I've spent many, many, many hours on stage, uh, both in front of the mirror and in front mm -hmm. of people, in front of the mirror with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is uh, something that you have to be uh, acutely aware of every time you get on stage. Who are you playing for, and to what end? Why are you playing for them? Uh, so there's, uh, it's always something that's in constant question for me every time I get on stage. Last night, I was playing for a group of people and they're all very kind and they're happily munching away on their really good seafood at the Point restaurant. It was really a nice time of it. And I was with uh, people that I spent a lot of time on stage with the Old River String Band and uh, I love their company and we all really like each other and that's a really nice situation and so we enjoyed ourselves uh, immensely as a group. Everybody had a nice musical experience together and so that was uh, appropriate for that room. Tonight I'm going to play with Rhonda Hart at, at the Purple Parrot Tiki Bar. We'll be playing on stage from 6 to 9 p.m. And uh, we'll probably have some friends come and sit in with us, and uh, and that's going to be very a very lovely time. Also, however, um, because the Purple Parrot is a more open atmosphere, we can be a little bit louder. We can be a little bit more um, 
um, jovial and, and, and expressive and I dare say rowdy closer to nine o'clock, you know. Mm -hmm. And so uh, as a result, it, it winds up being much more of a festive atmosphere there at the Purple Parrot than not that the point doesn't get festive because well, New Year's Eve at the point was really off the hook. The Purple Parrot is uh, is just a little bit of a different kind of fun because of, like I said, that open atmosphere is, is um, we've got roll up and roll down um, uh, vinyl plastic doors that zip mm -hmm. and uh, we've got space heaters that are that are powered by propane tanks and the place gets pretty warm. It's nice. So don't worry about the cold tonight. Come on out and uh, and let me know you saw this and we'll have some fun. Um, but uh, it's a different feel. It's more um, more of a uh, um, less people sitting down and having dinner. And oh look, there's music. And isn't it polite? Uh, it's more like people being like, I came to have a nice experience uh, that's going to be fun and rowdy and entertaining and I dare say body. <laughs> and uh, maybe it's uh, just a little bit more of a tiki bar experience and a little bit less of a sit-down dinner experience. Not that there's anything wrong with either one. It depends on what you're in the mood for. And that's why uh, Rhonda and I do so well in that in that just a little bit more provocative environment. And uh, we also do every Wednesday at the main room. And then we do every Saturday from 3 to 7 at Flip Daddy's in Orange Beach. Um, Rhonda Hart and I. Um, this week we're trying a new experience at um, the Lillian Community Center as uh, the Heart Strings, H-A-R-T. And uh, in it we've got Dave Callagher on bass, upright bass. Uh, we've got Robin Kingry on the mandolin. Robin uh, is uh, one of the best mandolin players and also plays in the Old River String Band. Bubba! Yeah. Love you, Bubba. She, uh, and she also plays in Bubba in them. She's Bubba. Uh, and so uh, Rhonda and I, Robin and Dave, will be uh, playing at the Lillian Community Center, and it's going to be really fun, too. So if you happen to be a member of the Lillian Community Center or Community Club, I don't remember which one's correct, but come out and hang out with us on Sunday. Uh, and uh, tonight, come to the Parrot. Yeah, and tomorrow, come to Flip Daddy's. Heck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good burgers at Flip Daddy's. Yeah, all of those are great places to hang out. You should check out all of them. Oh, and I forgot to mention tomorrow I'm playing at the Pleasure Island Tiki Bar with Bob Ravenscraft. Oh yeah, yeah, As, he would be mad because he's on here. Don't forget him. Right. So um, <laughs> half the night, Smokey Otis uh, is going Smokey. to, who is also a member of the Magic Johnsons with me, uh, will be covering the first half of the night while I'm working with Rhonda across town, and then I'll come in and take the second half of the night so that he can then go to. Uh, play with Jack Robertson at Jack's um, country music. Um, oh, that's a big gig. Yeah, yeah. It'll be a big Always gig. a big crowd. Always a good time. Yeah, it'll be a good gig for uh, for Smokey. And I think Ron, Rhonda Hart is also going to be there for that. Um, so you should go to the Bama tomorrow night as well to check those guys out. Or if you prefer, come hang out with me and Bob at the uh, Pleasure Island Tiki Bar over on uh, Canal Road, off of Canal Road in Orange Beach. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Good times. So what are you doing next Halloween? Um, I'm going to dress up in a kilt <laughs> and do this a lot. <laughs> As well you should. Yes. As well you should. Uh, 
I think I'm gonna try and make the uh, the the parrot tonight. I haven't been over there in a hot minute. I've been missing it. The last time I was there, I think was uh, the that night you and I were there, mm-hmm. and we were we were talking about um, stand up comedy. We were, we were. That was a that was a fun night. Yeah, yeah. Are you still yeah, uh, do. doing the stand up comedy? I am, I am. As a matter of fact, I'm going to a show tonight, for those of you interested, uh, Back Porch Comedy over in Pensacola, uh, Paul Fox and Cervantes. Um, Tonight, they have teamed up with Joey Livingston, who has a great show through NCG Studios on YouTube, um, called The Middle of Greatness, uh, his other show, Quality Control. But tonight, they're doing The Middle of Greatness and the Back Porch Showcase kind of simultaneously. And so they're doing a little bit of a talk show and a little bit of a stand-up comedy thing. It's going to be really unique. It's a first. I've never seen anything like it, so it's going to be fun. And all of those people are incredible. You should check all of them out. And I've got a, I'm doing a private gig tomorrow night, but then at Shizuko's later on this month, uh, or next weekend, there's a big uh, big benefit that uh, that's being put on um, over there. I can't remember the name of it, but it's there are links to it on my page. So definitely check it out. Uh, so you can actually come listen to me tell jokes. I... Uh, I'm happy to say I'm on a bill. I've been I've been paid once to uh, to nearly bomb. It was uh, it was incredible, but I'm I'm officially I guess that officially makes me a a professional comedian. Hey, that's great. Just don't ask me how much I made because it wouldn't have covered a bar tab if I had one. Right, right. I have uh, I have learned I have experienced firsthand how uh, how little you get paid to do things you truly enjoy. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, but. It's awesome. It's awesome. And uh, please come out and, and see us and support us. Back Porch Comedy and, uh, and at the Back Porch Bar and Grill and, um, and Shizuko's, uh, as well as the Blind Mule over in Mobile. Those are all regular comedy spots for Back Porch Comedy. So please come support and check it out. It's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And occasionally I'm funny. I have one more, not occasionally, <laughs> um, I have one more gig that I have to plug, and that is Cobalt. In Orange Beach. Oh yeah, that's a regular. I've I've been doing it every Sunday for their brunch, uh, for I believe seven years now. Um, time evades me, but uh, mm-hmm. I think it's seven years. And uh, every Sunday, and uh, with uh, Christina Christian, the uh, fabulous songwriteress, songwriteress. Yeah, she's a songwriter and uh, and an entertainer and an excellent vocalist. And guitarist, mm-hmm. you should come check us out. Singer songwriter Christina Christian and Justin Sable Phobes. There you go. It's uh, Sundays, brunch. That's All right. Good. Now, yeah. I don't have any degrees in marketing, do you? No, I have no degrees at all. Good, then we can get over this PR bullshit. Okay. Let's talk about some real stuff. Back to the real stuff. Oh, good, good. <laughs> Not that I don't want to plug everything, but, but I got real questions, man. Okay. Like we were ta- like the stuff we were talking about earlier. I just would rather get back to that. Which uh, which stuff? All of it. All of it. The the Dan Reader and the the artificial intelligence stuff, and uh, and we need to tell the story about uh, Captain Pee Wee football coach. Oh right. And 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 how how people are hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to? Do you want to tell the story of the gentleman we, we kind well, of sort of didn't meet? <laughs> I think it just stems from um, a lot of humans have a will to dominate a circumstance. 
Uh, one momento. Hey, what's up? Oh, what's up, man? What up, Nick? Hey, We're Nick. live. How you doing, oh, man? Oh, we are live. Yeah. Come on, say hello hey, to the camera. Sorry, man. No, that's I all good. I to bust in on the session, but no, you're I'm, cool. I'm working anyway. I was just going to say hey. Yeah. Hello. Anyway. Okay, man. All right, see you. Good to see you. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, that was my, my good friend, uh, Nick Bibri. Uh, you'll find him on the interwebs as Nick Bibriker. B-I-E-B-R-I-C-H-E-R. Bieber. I always mispronounce it because I try and say it phonetically. It's right, right. Bibri. It's Bibri. 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 Or, yeah, I, and I think it's much easier that way, although he might really want to consider changing the spelling so that people can find him easier on the Internet. But that's, mm -hmm. that's another thing. I mean, I would prefer to change my last name to Smith, really. I think. <laughs> Are you looking to hide? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just think it would be so much easier for people to find, actually, you know, like... Uh, People have never gotten my last name is Phobes, F-O-B-E-S. There is no R. I'm so jealous of your it's been it has been there's no R, it's not Forbes. It's always been the bane of my existence. You know, I show up after driving halfway across the country, you know, in a van full of sweaty dudes pulling a trailer and I show up and tonight it's the Justin Forbes band, you know? <laughs> and uh and so I'm like, uh, but we're the blues brothers, you know, and you know. We're the good old blues boys brothers band, you know. So it's uh, it's just something that happens. And as a result, nobody can find me on the Internet either, you know. It's just there's nothing uh, Googleable that I'm aware of that's Justin Forbes and no photographs of me associated with it. So I'm pretty sure that I'm the tree that falls in the woods that doesn't hear itself. No, you say too many witty things that uh, we just need to, to pick one that you really like and uh, and and figure out how to how to plaster that on all your stuff. Like I I type truth, love, and peace so often now that if you get on Facebook and put at truth, I'm one of the first things that comes up. Wow, it's like that's amazing, and it's fluke. It won't last for long, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But somebody sent me a screenshot of that, and I was like, oh. I see. I should have paid more attention in that marketing class. Right, right. There's a trick there somewhere. Mine will probably come up if you type in milk toast. You know, or also ran. You know. Also ran. Yeah, that'll be me. <laughs> I don't think you can write a book with that title, though, can yeah. you? I don't know. I guess you can. That'd be a good one. Or, or hashtag, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Nominal anonymity. <laughs> Nominal anonymity. That'd be like, yeah. That sounds like Ozymandias' arch nemesis. <laughs> like if Rorschach hadn't have been available. <laughs> See. Yeah. His character foil. Right, right. That's the guy that drew a bunch of vaginas. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I've seen his work on the internet. <laughs> on the interwebs. Yeah. Yeah. So so uh coach, pay attention to me. Yeah. Um, my quick anecdotal take on. Hang on, this. hang on. That's how he did it. <laughs> I'm I sure you. he was a championship coach. Yeah. yeah. That was too funny. He came up and started by asking us questions, and then he didn't wait for us to answer. But as he began to tell us about who he was and why he deserved to ask us the questions, then he walked off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. My version of the story is that. Uh, Inside, our very nice uh, bartender, bartendress. Should we 
say her name? I, I, I would rather not. I don't want okay. to pull that down. But we were at the Jellyfish. People saw us at the Jellyfish. We can say that. Yeah. And uh, and if she wants to speak up, we will gladly Good acknowledge Good sushi her. and Perdido Key. Yeah. And we had a blast hanging out at the Jellyfish. But I think what happened was uh, the bartenders uh, had commented on my kilt. And because this is what he said when he walked out. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there was a conversation that happened in which he was not being paid attention to justly in his in his eyes. Right. And so as he left, he took the time to stop and, and express that. Mm-hmm. Because he opened with... She didn't, she said you were wearing a skirt, which I doubt she said. Most women are very highly aware of, of the differences what, between a kilt and a skirt. And, a kilt, yeah. 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 Um, and so that was the first thing out of his mouth. If it doesn't zip up the back, it's not a skirt. And it, yeah, women know these things. <laughs> uh, they've known them a lot longer than yeah. I have. Yeah. And so that was the first thing out of his mouth. And then it was immediately obvious that, uh, that it was, you ruined my good time. And I had to listen to somebody else talk about you when I wanted to talk about me. And so now I'm going to tell you about me. why I should have gotten that attention instead of you. Right. That, that's how I interpreted that whole right. thing. Right. And, and you, your assessment was not invalid. I mean, it was absolutely. No, just different perspectives. Just, yeah. That's, how I, that's, that's what I was thinking. But hold on, hold on. Hold, I'm sorry. That's basically what this guy did. Yeah. He uh, he walked out and just aggrandized himself yeah. as uh, what the most significant thing that stood out in, in as he was yeah. listing his resume was uh, yeah. was I coached football. Right. right. <laughs> I really don't remember the rest. Yeah. I really don't remember the rest. And then he coached football and oh and he was a really he was a big dickhead because he went with his buddy to New Orleans and he had this hat. That uh, that was it's actually a, a Scottish cap uh, style driver cap, uh, and, and it was really nice. And he said, "We I found it at a shop in New Orleans. My buddy and I were there, and they were brand new, and they were on sale, so we bought them all, which is a dicky thing to do because the only thing you can do with all of them is turn around and sell them, which means you just want to price them up, and unless you're going to turn around and give them away, that would have been okay. Or wear, not what he did. Or wear them, which means he's mm. got a different one for every day of the week. Still dickish. Presuming, Not as dickish. Presuming but they still had dickish. fourteen of them, and he got seven, yeah. and his friend got seven. You know, anybody that bought, you, but you can only wear one at a time. You know, so it's, that's true. It's, it's a little greedy, at the very least. It's a little greedy. Uh, but anyway, so that was the only other thing that stood out. This guy had uh, had gone to New Orleans, and his buddy and him found these hats on sale, and because you had complimented him on his hat for having some plaid in it, since he didn't know what a kilt was. Uh, or had at least chosen not to use the word kilt, that uh, he needed to tell a story about how he and his friend cleaned out this place that had these hats. Because, you know, when you're balling and you got big money, it, you always brag about being able to buy a store out of hats. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's serious cash, man. So he's obviously a very successful football coach. <laughs> enough money to, uh, to buy out all the hats. That's a... Ah, man. I wonder how many hats it was. He said it was less than twenty. He said it was a. It was. It was. Like, I don't remember him saying less than twenty. He said there won. There won a lot of them. They had just gotten in a shipment, and there were. And we're not talking like hundreds of hats. Yeah. It was definitely less but than. They two were dozen. genuine and made in Ireland. That's right, but they were on sale. Yeah. 
They were on sale, and, so, and they were so on sale they couldn't pass it up. Yeah. I mean, hey, man, I, I can't really begrudge the guy, guy for that. I mean, if I find something I really like and I realize, like, hey, I'm never going to get this opportunity again, I'm going to go ahead and buy it, and I don't know what it is, if I can afford it, which I can't. But... But if I could, you, I'd try, I'd try. you're not you're not swinging big bankroll. You don't have hat money, folks. Come on, man. man. I play the guitar for a living in Alabama. <laughs> well, you can't even get hat money as a musician. It's horrible. No, I mean there's uh there's no uh, there is no large bankroll. I'm I'm sorry. It's uh, but I you know the other side of it is um, I I don't really have any complaints about life. I, I think that. Um, it's uh, it's very uh, warm and friendly where I uh, where I'm able to play the guitar, and I, I really appreciate that, which is why I think I continue doing it. I mean, if people were throwing tomatoes at me, I'd probably be like, "Well, I guess I need to go figure out how to drive a forklift or something." Well, it and, would still be funny, just like uh, old boy coming up and preaching at us for a few minutes, and then walking off without even waiting for us to respond, or. Or introducing himself, like one of the first comments I made after he walked away was, "Did the guy even say his name?" Uh-uh. <laughs> like no. there was no, there was no feigning introductions or anything, yeah. and it was humorous, uh, but it goes to show how we were talking earlier about perspective and, and how and cold character. is charity. Yeah, yeah, because uh, frankly, uh, you know, we haven't had a lot of lot of nice things to say about him since uh, his his experience with us came up on the show, but. Um, you know, ultimately, it really does speak to the frailties of the human endeavor, and mm-hmm. that is that uh, here's a person who felt so slighted over such a small thing that uh, he needed to uh, carry that slight on and 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 then begrudge us uh, because of of his poor experience, and uh, that is uh, an unfortunate side effect of being a human. You know, so often we feel put upon and slighted in, in daily life, and and it makes us want to make someone else feel the shame and uh, and the the I want to say the morality of of the experience where okay, it would be wrong of me not to share this with you because you didn't mm-hmm. know how you hurt me with your with mm-hmm. your skirt, and so. <laughs> So, you know, the, the, the guy has, uh, has a real need at that point to, to show you how he had been wronged in his kind also. The football coach kind had been wronged by, by you. And that's why I bring up morality, I think, is to really, yeah. uh, to really help to illustrate that angle. Humans just need to be loved, Compton. They do. Yeah. They do. Well, and, and to tell the rest of the story, as soon as the guy walked off, we immediately chuckled to each other. I, uh, I remember doubling over and yeah. trying not to laugh <laughs> at him and waiting until he walked away. But, um, but, but what was it, it wasn't, it's not like you see, it's not, it's not Facebook fake nonsense where what if you he, yell at people. What if it's, he gave you us You laugh a, at it and you move on. What if he gave us a gift? He did give us a gift. He gave us the, He gave he, us a beautiful he gift. He gave us the gift of mirth and, and joy. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. And, and, and it, and it didn't nice. involve us yelling at him. Uh-uh. We, he uh-uh. walked away yeah. and we enjoyed our perspective on it. His perspective yeah. on it I'm sure was completely different yeah. and he's welcome to it. But um, but it the, the bigger picture is it's funny. 
like a lot of people want to get worked up and angry about stuff and there would there we even said after the fact there was no point to try and tell that guy anything or to try and rebut totally pointless and we talked about whether or not that was intellectual property on his part and the fact that was that a performance piece was that just his opinion and and so it's not a matter of confronting someone and creating conflict as as it is in the real world, you really just have to chalk it up to it's funny as hell. Because the alternatives, as you pointed out, there's no, there's no alternative that is any better than laugh it off and, and move on. Yeah. Because yeah. all the other alternatives are ugly. And, just, and, and nobody, nobody should behave that way in public, for sure. It's bad enough that people do it on the internet. But there's, there's my, my putting down public violence, if anybody wants to hear it. And don't be mean to people intentionally. That's never nice. <laughs> Unless they're a football coach that insists on you breaking down, even though you've never met him. Right, right. Mm. Well, he he's probably retired, and and he's only left with the uh, vestigial essences of his experience. <clears throat> and uh, as a result, it was him breaking us down. That was the one thing he remembered how to do well, you know, out yeah. of his experience. Uh, and we missed out on the building up part. But I, I hate that he didn't introduce himself. Now now I'm a little sorry that I can't ask yeah. him questions. Yeah. I want to. I want to pick his brain, and I want to right. hear about, I want to hear him tell football coaching stories. Right, right. And like that time he lost all of his seniors, and they went from second grade to third grade. <laughs> Just gutted his whole, his whole roster. I hear they're rebuilding well, though. <laughs> they're rebuilding well, yeah. That was probably really hard for him. <laughs> But ultimately, I think if, if the circumstance had been different, we would we would come to value him as a person. We would probably really really see him as a uh, as a good man. And because uh, you, know, you have to be right. But we weren't allowed to have that experience because he withdrew himself from the situation before yeah. we could. And uh, but you have to go ahead and imagine um, it's unfortunate. You know, you and I both work in crowds on a regular basis. But you have to go ahead and imagine past that moment where you cease your contact with somebody, whether you want to or not. And you have to see them as a good person, mm -hmm. ultimately. Or, why are we here having this experience together? Yeah. What's the purpose? Why is, if you can't love your fellow man for who they are and for who they potentially could be, mm -hmm. if they're, if you're not, you know, seeking to find the best in them, then, then what's a heaven for? I right. go back to that. What is a heaven for if not to exceed the grasp of man? So... Mm -hmm. That, that's that's a big one, heaven, man. I had something I wanted to talk about. Heaven, that's a great distraction. When you think about Nirvana and, and heaven and what are some of the other country incarnations. Club. The uh, country club. Country club is heaven. Yeah. Almost heaven, West Virginia. Or I thought I was in heaven. <laughs> but it was just a parking lot of a 7-Eleven. Right? That, the... It's an interesting thing that faith does. Go ahead, go ahead. What, you I'm want, off what are you wanting to get back to? What, what was your uh, um, initial thought? Can you well, get back to it? Well, yeah, you had, um, just listening to the way that you talked about that reminded me of uh, people being overly sensitive and not realizing that everything starts out very crude. Right. And that's not meant to be rude, it's crude. There's a difference. Yeah. One is, is primal. And one is 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 you know ostentatious of, of the rude, of the well, vulgar sort. The you know? the skillful the skillful entertainer would have made the person feel 
more comfortable at first sure. and, and lulled them into a complacency to the point where at that moment they could then surprise them. Yes. You know, and uh, that would have been, but he didn't feel like he had time for that. Obviously he had somewhere, somewhere very important to be, so he had to leave. And so we didn't have time to get that, that, that uh, making nice and the, the small talk, mm -hmm. the uh, breaking of the ice, as you will, you know, none mm -hmm. of that was able to be developed at that point. It was uh, strictly, right. you know. Uh, but it makes me think of the, the joke telling process. Like uh, I've noticed recently uh, several different comedians while I'm thinking of that. While I'm thinking of that. We have Sorry. more comments? Um, I'm sure. But I've noticed several different comedians have talked about how uh, to work extemporaneously or to work off the cuff, do crowd work, to just respond to what people say. Um, a lot of people steer away from it, and these comics say because they, it's rude, because their reactions are mean, and, and their first response is to be funny. Oh, we got to say hello to my buddy. Level. Kyle Parker. Hey, Kyle. Yeah, throw him out there. Kyle Parker. Hey, buddy. What's, What's going happening? on, man? Nick, Nick's had a lot to say, too, since we got into this. So, uh, Nick's telling us not to cry. <laughs> don't cry, man. Who? What? Nick Bibbery. Oh. Still, don't cry. So. Do I do I cry often? No, I'm sorry. No, he was probably talking to me. Are my tears I'm, evident? I'm real bad about it. I'll, I'll go suck my thumb in the corner. Yeah. I want to whine. <laughs> you know, I used to whine about shit until I realized I could suck my own dick. And then it's kind of a waste of time. Yeah, after that, you're just sort of like, leave me alone. I'm busy. Yeah. It's kind of like quit giving a fuck about what other people thought. I'm busy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the it's, world would be a better place if, if... It would be. A lot of people could... You know, or you but know, pot's a second, you know, a good second best in, in a lot of cases. That works well for a lot of people, medicinally. Really, I think the uh, um, the the best uh, circumstance that I've seen um, involving that ability to tell people uh, off or whatever is is uh -huh. uh, from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, thanks for the fish, man. With the, uh, the yeah, <laughs> uh, so uh, when they that they locate the gun that. Uh, when you fire it at your enemy, it makes them feel how you feel. Yeah, the empathy gun. The empathy gun. And I think it's, uh, it's a fantastic metaphor for uh, real-life situations. Why would, why would leaders of an army, before they fight, come out to the center of the battlefield to talk? And maybe that was to yeah. say, hey, uh, uh, do you feel like I feel? No. Man, we're going to have to fight. And then right. they get back. So, uh, but, yeah, it's the do you feel like I feel... Um, or do you feel Peter like Frampton. I do? <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, I was yeah. singing that. So, do you, you, mm. feel I got the music, it's fucking cool. He's a really nice guy. So, yeah, years. Anyway. Yeah, so, uh, you know, that's really, uh, I think, the best example of, of um, a metaphor that, that kind of would have made the situation. What if, what if he came out there and, you know, shot us with his gun? You know, as we're standing outside of the mm -hmm. jellyfish, and now all of a sudden we're we're uh, we're like, I remember being a football coach, you know. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Or maybe uh, I feel like I was slighted when I was inside. Uh, oh no, that was I. I see that happen regularly. Like, uh, uh, one of the, my favorite things, and one of the reasons I love wearing a kilt, is because I see guys do the testosterone response. It is, it's never a nice, polite compliment. It's always, hey, man, I like your skirt. 
And there's just no way to say that politely. And their girlfriend, <laughs> the best moment of all times, yeah. is when their girlfriend stops and corrects them and says, no, it's a kilt. <laughs> so I'm very familiar with this response yeah. from people. I, and, I, uh, it's hilarious. I, it's I, hilarious. I tried, I tried a similar experience in my own life. I had blue hair for a while. Ooh. And, uh, and so what I discovered is, uh, I'm older than Compton, by the way. Um, this happened in another lifetime. If any of you remember me from that lifetime, I'm very sorry for the way I behaved. But um, well, now I don't want to press you on it. Right, but <laughs> I did. I had blue hair, and uh, and I remember um, I, I rather relished the uh, the way that people would treat me. Now I didn't just have blue hair; I also had red, and I had aquamarine. I had white uh -huh. at one point, and, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so it's just a come on in. Hey, Zesto. Hello, we're hey. live. We're live. Welcome. This is where I do yoga. Oh. All right. Cool. So go do yoga inside while we're on the internets. By the way, Christina Christian, <laughs> she's live too. <laughs> yep. So uh, anyway, um, I uh, I feel like uh, that time in my life has passed, but I did experience a lot of um, like you know as I, I lived in crowds, you know under lights and stuff. And I did experience a change in the way people acted around me and perceived me as I would step off the stage. I used to be able to just drift into, you know, like we were talking about, um, you know, banal anonymity. But now uh, with the blue hair, I would step into the crowd and people would stand back and look at me as I passed through the crowd going to the bathroom, presumably, or whatever when I was on break, you know, off the stage. But uh, that was uh, that's something that I had that ha experienced, uh, I guess, for maybe the better part of a year of my life. I, I had all these different colored hair, hairs, hairs, hers, and uh, and so I kind of can, uh, I can kind of uh, uh, appreciate where you're coming from with it. Mm -hmm. And as a social experiment, it's a grand one. Well, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. I highly recommend social experiments. Yellow Crocs, and, and there, were, there were plenty of social experiments that came before the kilt. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but the kilt's where I'm at right now. Right, it's, right. Uh, the guitar worked for me. I just kept that. Well, that that's requires some skill. That's awesome. Well, I, mean, no, I, I just practiced putting on a towel. That's as tough as my solo ever gets. Well, it didn't start with skill. It just started with a guitar. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah. But just turn the guitar around. And eventually I, I figured out, like, hey, if I do this, it makes that sound. Okay, well, I'll try this one over here. And so turned into something I used a lot. It's a nice prop. Oh, man, I, I just don't think of it as a prop. It's a, really, it's if a I skill, had the gun, if I had the empathy gun, I wouldn't need a guitar. You know? That's true. If I could just simply shoot it at the audience and say, uh, hey, uh, do you? <laughs> you? And I probably yeah. would. Yeah, I probably would. I mean, that 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 would be so much simpler than the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours I spent. You know, you know, not looking at the rest of the world as it spun around me and focusing on this little thing that I've spent so much time fooling with. And and uh, you know, family members going, not that again. Come on, pull your head out of it. Seriously, you can you can have a life, but no, you're on the end of the bed doing nothing with your life, you know. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not doing nothing. I'm playing. I'm Man, this sounds like Rush moving pictures, you know. How can you not hear? Listen. You know. But no one else was as excited as you Nobody were. Nobody was as excited as I was. So I, I just continued to, uh, you know, 
you know, and that uh, has seemed to <laughs> become my modus operandi. Which is awesome. Yeah. Your MO is uh, is a, a very unique one. There aren't many people that that challenge my are you with me? You know what I mean? Like uh, you, I don't have to second guess myself when most people say, do you follow what I'm saying? But even the example that you were given earlier when you were talking about all the AI stuff, I had to double check and make sure that, that I was keeping up with what you were saying, which is awesome. I, uh, I love being challenged by some of your philosophical musings. Well, uh, it's of great value. Confidence of great value to me too. I really truly cherish your friendship I, or our friendship. I, I, you know, I've I've always really relished the fact that uh, you and I can get together in just the oddest of circumstances and and uh, still pull out the most abstract thing that we we that's on our mind, you know, floating around and pull it out and go, hey, what do you think about this, you know? And, and then we both kind of turn and face it and we both talk about that thing and and you know. And, uh, and share our thoughts with one another. It's been a very good relationship. I've known you for, what, now, four or five years, maybe? Yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. And uh, we've had uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, and like I said, the, the most uh, um, uh, distanced, uh, distance, uh, distant, we're in maybe. circumstances that are so far removed from what we're actually talking about, like I could ever afford to create an AI you know, or even propagate one. Like I would have a computer that would be fast enough to, to do it. No, I just, but I do, um, I do uh, remain fascinated and, and mystified by the world that's going on around us. I think that might be uh, one of my uh, strongest suits is that uh, I'm interested. Yeah. And uh, as, as a result, because of my interest and uh, in, uh, the fact that I only work four hours a day, <laughs> allows me another four hours to, to do things like this right now. Which is awesome. And, uh, Dude, I saw, yeah. uh, I saw a really cool documentary recently called AlphaGo. Are you familiar? I don't know if you do documentaries. No, but I'm going to do something that's going to Yeah, thank you. That heater is uh, is toasting me. $16 from Dollar General. Yeah, man. It's, yeah. it's a monster heater. It's if awesome. it starts to I get cold, you can it. shut it. Uh, so we were talking about AI, and AlphaGo is, um, AlphaGo is the program that these guys created to play the board game Go. Are you familiar with Go? Are you familiar uh, with, with the Deep Blue and the chess thing? No, none of that. Okay. Uh, so the background is that um, IBM, I think, created the uh, was the Deep Blue program that beat Casper Asmarov or something like that. It was oh, some chess, chess grand champion. Right, right. Um, it beat Kasparov won the first time. And they didn't just play one match. No, it was a tournament. Yeah, it was a series. It was a series of games. Yeah. And uh, the AI didn't really handily beat Kasparov until it was until it had the opportunity to be reprogrammed. So it wasn't really until round two that, that the, the, the program was more, if you could say, more competent than, than he was at playing chess. But um, it, went, it was doubly as smart from the programming. Anyway, uh, that, was, that was the chess thing. Um, he didn't handily get beat. That's, that's not the right way to put that. Anyway... Uh, so they built one for Go. Go is an extreme. It's much more complicated than chess. It's okay. a, it's a uh, 
orders of magnitude more complicated than chess. Okay. And uh, they built uh, artificial intelligence that would play Go. And they beat, and not just kinda, but beat handily a, uh, a human world champion, like a ninth dawn champion. That's how serious Go is. They rank these people the same way people in martial arts rank instructors by the dawn system. Which is absolutely amazing. Um, so, they uh, they were successful, um, and and to get to that level of com complication, com uh, complexity, uh, we're talking like for every move, this thing would evaluate hundreds of strategies and hundreds of potential moves, and then it would calculate the hundreds of possibilities and the percentage of success of each of those moves. So just crazy amounts of intelligence. And this thing isn't even artificial intelligence. Like it's not general intelligence. It's just doing this one thing. Right. But it owned this guy. Well, and it, we're doing that stuff right now. It had to have been programmed right. by probably mm -hmm. a panel of intelligencies. Mm -hmm. um, There's a whole team of people behind the scenes yeah, like making yeah. this thing happen, for sure. For sure. But there uh, but that's also one step away from Google has created the first artificial intelligence that's been been given the mandate or you know being programmed to create an artificial intelligence program. It's been charged with rewriting its pro own program in a way that it would be able to then generate some type of artificial intelligent offspring. So there's a robot that's working on that problem right yeah. now. Yeah. So and that goes from playing Go really, really well to like we were talking about this genetic, this thing injecting its genetics into the population, Battlestar Galactica, Cylon, sabotage style, to where you could end up having whoever owns the artificial intelligence code that combines with the DNA ends up owning humanity. To tie back into what we were talking about, and earlier. and yes, it's a it's a terrifying uh, thought that um, we may have artificial human intelligences walking around among us right now and not be aware of it. Case, How weird would that be? Case in point, <laughs> football coach. <laughs> yeah, football coach. So don't uh, don't discount the uh, the people that that perplex you. <laughs> There's no telling what's going on behind the scenes. They never, we don't know. never cease to astonish. We don't know. We don't know. He might have been an actual alien. He might have been from another planet, and the only thing he really knew how to say, he said to us. He was just fucking with us. Yeah. We just got played by an alien. Yeah, we've, we've spent an hour talking about this since, you know. Yeah. And, and that's an hour. Now I feel a little dirty. <laughs> and, it's, and it's an hour that we could have spent, you know, doing our taxes or something productive for society. I know, right? Yeah. And there were some numbers that needed to be crunched somewhere. I'm somewhere. Sure. Somewhere. So that's, uh, you can't ever discount the, uh, the things we don't understand or the people that we don't understand. There's, uh, there's no telling what their circumstance is. The perspective, man, like you said earlier perspective makes a whole matter it really does uh, and not just perspective but perception yeah 
and uh, I feel like perception, you know, as yeah, we were talking about that on ideals earlier. Well, you know, the thing that's fascinating me right now um, is, or a thing that's fascinating me right now besides the myriad of possibilities for dominant resolutions, John Cochran. Um, the thing that fascinates me right now is, uh, you know, sorry, that was a music theory reference but uh, it took me a minute too don't feel yeah. bad <laughs> but uh <coughs> what if ghosts are simply multi-dimensional beings drifting through our limited perception of reality but really it's just normal for them and they're just walk they're just walking through publics you know getting themselves some sushi in their minds or whatever some um you know um public sushi or something mm -hmm. and uh but in our minds you know we see this thing drift through our room that's luminescent and and uh ethereal and and then disappears after you know the the cupboard bangs or something you know i want to know which dimension is running the perpetual civil war reenactment and why so many of these ghosts are wearing old military uniforms. Oh, I haven't heard about that. I just, every time I think of ghosts, I think of old haunted houses and some guy that died in, in some bloody ancient war. Incidentally, the Magic Johnsons are playing on February the 4th, on February the 4th, for, uh, for uh, uh, Mardi Gras. Or actually, I think that's Joe Kane Day, but I yeah, think we're going to be is, is, at, uh, at the Florida <coughs> and uh, that day. And uh, we're playing a song for Mardi Gras that happens to be about a ghost from New Orleans. Or New Orleans. However you pronounce it. Yeah. If you're Tommy Mazzullo. <laughs> New Orleans. Sorry, Tommy. Um, oh, I miss his song, the Toyland song. Yeah, so uh, we're song. we're doing a song about a ghost in New Orleans, and uh, it's a party song. It's fun. But, that makes uh, me think of Andrew Bird in Bedlam Ballroom. I don't know either of those references. Uh, there was, I think, there was a Stephen Foster song. Don't know that, that one either. Uh, it's about a ghost. I can't recall. Anyway, uh, Andrew Bird is from uh, the Cherry Poppin' Daddies. Not Cherry Poppin' Daddies. Squirrel Nut Zippers, excuse me. Ah, okay. Uh, he's the guy. Uh, he's That's one of his projects. But he's, I call it gypsy jazz, like folky. He plays violin. I've and... covered one of their songs. I am familiar Okay, with so you get that, that whole vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. That's like, he's awesome. Andrew Blue Bird. Angel? Yeah. That's the song that I covered. It's yeah. a great song. Yeah. You can find it on Cat uh, Certain's Radio Avalon. Uh, just search under my name and it'll come up as Justin Phobes Jazz. So. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. That's a great song. Because we have the Blue Angels here. Oh, yes. In Freedom Key. Yeah. Go. Pensacola. That's Dreaming cool. of a Blue Angel. Yeah, that's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. I never put that together. But Unfortunately, sense. I did. <laughs> it's gotten me nowhere in life, I assure you. You nowhere. know, like jazz. Anyway, do you know any Merle Haggard? <laughs> okay. Okay. That's horrible. Well, no, that's just the way the world, the way of the world we live. Well, and we were talking about, uh, about how different musicians that we know are accomplished at, uh, at, 
at their trade and, and their craft and, and giving people what it is that they want and, and yes. how difficult that can be. Yes, and how a lot can. of people don't get the credit they deserve for putting on a damn fine show. Well, you know, it's a, it's a strange thing. We're, we're all, as humans, we're all so very good at things that we're interested in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but finding the things that uh, other people will be interested in for us to become good at, that's really the big trick in our modern American free society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's, uh, you know, at first I, I really struggled with it. I'd say the first decade of, of my musical career, I, I, I wasn't really sure how to go about doing that. And, uh, but eventually what I, what I wound up doing is uh, I began to pair myself with people that, who, who were obviously better at it than I was. And the next thing you know, because I really liked the person that was better at it than me and liked doing things with them, I became interested in them and how they do things. Next thing you know, I've, I've had 100 mentors in my lifetime. Best way to learn. People that I've played with over the years uh, who, who are um, light years ahead of me in so many ways, doing so many different things. And if you think about it, when you're going and training your mind on somebody for four hours while you're on stage with them, eventually you're going to pick something up you're going to learn something so mm-hmm. you know at this point in my life I've, I've played with i don't know 100 200 people who who are um, way better at what they do than i'll ever be and so i get i get the benefit of having uh music lessons often as mm-hmm. well as as uh, experiencing awesome crowds and and people who are uh you know very uh kind and benevolent um uh, you know, venues who take care of the musicians and, you know, I might not make a lot of money, but, you know, I, I have a feeling that if I really needed to go get health care, which I don't right now, but if I did, I, I could probably figure out how to get that done pretty quickly, mm-hmm. you know, if I were, and so, uh, you know, little things like that, um, you know, when uh, when a venue says, yes, you can have a free meal with your, with your job here, uh, Oh man, well that's you know that's ten bucks I don't have to spend you know or you know it's a it's a great thing um, you know the add-ons that go on with uh, with the music industry um, or somebody says oh you need a place to stay well I I've got a friend who has a condo that's not being used right now I'm sure he'd take something anything you know and, yeah and that, that raises a really good point right. when you think about how uh, you you may not live high on the hog but you can live really easily and how charity plays a role in in what starving artists are and, and how that lifestyle perpetuates. But it doesn't mean unhappiness to, to do some couch surfing and, and to, to re- accept the gratitude of, of the people around you. Yeah. Uh, it, it leads to, to a kind of happiness that, that maybe that $10 uh, wouldn't have bought as tasty a meal as, as, uh, as that meal tastes in gratitude right, and, right. and in kindness. Yeah. And what I wonder about how impacted our culture has become by doing less of that and making it more difficult for people to to realize that reality like even if there's not a lot of money out there to be made i feel like so many people don't have the opportunity to go out and just experience that kind of life and i think a lot of people would be better by experiencing that kind of life um well it's um you know, I have friends that I grew up with, and, and they get a different boat every year. And that's the what makes them happy is, you know, flipping through the catalog, finding the one that they want, and they go and they shop and shop and get the one that they want, and then they go, yeah. you know, drive around in it. Um, 
I, I, I never was interested in that. You know, I, I'll go, I have friends who have boats and I like to ride on the boats as much as, you know, the next guy does. But uh, I never thought to myself, oh, I need to go make X amount of extra money so that I can go buy this boat and spend my extra money so I can take, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a different focus, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I um, you know, while they're, while they're spending their time figuring out, and I just use the boat as a metaphor. It doesn't necessarily have to be a boat. It could be, it could be anything. But uh, you yeah. know, I might I might be more interested in finding uh, just the right tool for the job. Like um, the other day, I was googling. Um, um, I wear out guitars. I play them so much that they just simply fall apart in my hands. Eventually, uh, they get beat up and banged on and stuff. And so, I'm always trying to find a really inexpensive guitar that I can justify taking. You know, into uh, the tent stage at the Floribama on a Saturday night where there's, mm -hmm. you know, hundreds of people who are rowdy and next thing you know, there's a bachelorette party that needs to get on stage so that they can have their party and stuff, which is great. I love it. Um, but, I you know, it. when it when it happens, uh, you know, I don't want to have something that's I'm really afraid is going to get broken. I need to have something that's a tool. It's a work mm -hmm. tool, you know, and so um, I've, I've I'm searching for a guitar right now, something that I cannot destroy, something that's very sturdy, but sounds good and it plays well, you know, because mm -hmm. I don't want to have to tear up my knuckles if I don't have to, you know, trying to play a guitar that doesn't play well. Yeah. And uh, which I, I often do because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on stage for 25 hours a week, you know, and uh, it takes a toll on the knuckles. It really does. Well, Ed was telling me about Guy Clark yesterday and educating me and, uh, and, talking about uh, how how fascinating it is that something that, that lived and resonated with vibration now uh, resonates with the vibration of something else's message and, and how that's that's a really cool esoteric kind of thought. Um, but have that led, led me to think about asking you whether or not you would ever play or what is the difference between playing a wooden guitar and something that's made of synthetic material that might be more durable um well i'm glad you ask um i have owned a guitar that had a synthetic bowl back mm -hmm. so it was curved and stuff and uh and it was loud it was really loud which was great um but as a result it, it would roll out from under me and, and you'll hear people complain about these style guitars and stuff and so I, ultimately i couldn't quite get the er ergonomics comfortable enough for myself to where i, I got where I was able to, I want to be able to lean on it if I want to. Mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and these things, it makes it hard to do that because of the way they're shaped. But, um, you know what? That guitar is extremely stable. It was older than I was, uh, and uh, and it was uh, it was a really cool instrument, the one that I owned. Um, I have a friend uh, who has one that's made, I think, mostly out of carbon fiber, and uh, his is completely impervious to uh, to weather changes and stuff. And uh, I mean, completely. I mean, you could probably well, use it as a boat paddle, and, <laughs> and, and and then pull it right out of the water and start playing it, and it's maintain its shape, you know. And um, and that that is fascinating to me, you know. If if I were to suddenly wake up tomorrow and 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 be, you know, in the plateau in the northern part of Colorado, where I'm 2,000 feet above sea level. Uh, or 8,000 feet above sea level, then all of a sudden this guitar that I just used as a boat paddle, though it might have ice crystals on it now um, and salt deposits, uh, would still sound just like it did the day before. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, um, 
but uh, wooden guitars, they don't necessarily work that way. Um, for instance, most of the time the uh, woods that are used in wooden guitars, um, they come from alpine regions. They grow at the, the green, evergreen level of, of, uh, of above sea level, and uh, which is a zone. It's got you know a range of 2,000 feet above sea level to 10,000, I don't know. And, uh, but uh, we're at sea level here, mm -hmm. and those alpine woods don't, they it's don't. Not home. They, it's not it's home. Not home. Them, you know? It's like it's 112 degrees out here. Is, that, is it time for me to ignite? You know, that's, <laughs> that's what they're thinking. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's not home for these guitars, and and yet that's what we use around here. You know, as uh, as the predominant tool for singer songwriters, and uh, not as many keyboard players. Although the ones we have in this area are absolutely amazing, and you should check them out if you can. Um, uh, I can think of a couple. Um, off the top of my head, but um, the acoustic guitars, that's the sound that everybody gravitates toward. I guess that's what Guy Clark used, you know, and mm -hmm. so, and um, that's what, uh, that's what people associate with, you know, the genre, uh, which is great, um, but um, that guitar hates being on a pier in the middle of July, uh, four feet above sea level, and, uh, you know, 100 degree temperature and 100% humidity. That guitar starts to do things it wasn't designed to do, and uh, and it's and it's hard for us because you know as it swells, absorbing all this moisture, it becomes unruly. You know, you can't you can't make it uh, do what you want it to do, and that's when you start tearing up your knuckles and breaking guitar strings and you know mm. having to uh, overwork mm. the uh, machine as well as yourself to to get it to to do right. Um, so right now I'm embroiled, embroiled in a search to uh, find a, a guitar that, that uh, I would like for it to be made out of wood. I really would, because uh, I like the sound and, and, uh, and other people seem to, you know, immediately project their associations when they see me on stage with a wooden guitar of what they think that is. And again, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where it, it makes... Uh, makes the audience comfortable and you bring them in and allow them to feel comfortable and complacent and not necessarily complacent but um, you allow them to feel um, where they are welcome and then you can surprise them yeah yeah but uh, but it takes a while for them to identify with you first it's always tricky winning an so, audience over so having a having a guitar that's that's uh, looks the part innocuous and looks the part you know and uh, makes sense well then they can uh, they can accept you more readily yeah. I can definitely see that. Have you found any favorites yet? Do you want to check the Facebook comments and see if the guitar players have chimed in with uh, tons of advice for you? Yeah, we look. Um, my friend Jonathan Puzan has um, a uh, guitar that uh, that I really like, and it's made by a company in Canada. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, and I've been I've been looking for one used. I hope uh, that I can afford. You know, which I can't. But if I could. Uh, if I could afford one that I could work with, it, it, that it would be a, a good match for me, I think. Nice. And, um, it, you know, they're, they're twice what I would like to spend, but, you know, I, uh, you know, I guess it, it would be the difference between me having a $15 lunch and having a $5 lunch for, you know, a few months. So. Mm, yeah. Uh, Baloney. Uh, yeah. That's what I think when I think budget food. Yeah. Not that I ever eat bologna, but. That's what comes to mind. Right, right. But uh, I could probably manage that. 
I could probably do that. In fact, that's what I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to fry some bologna. No, I'm just going to go to the grocery store and and uh, and pick something up that's cheap. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I love those rotisserie chickens they got at Publix. Yeah. Oh man, I tear those things. That's up. two days right there. Yeah, man. Two days. They, they make this uh, smoked Gouda cheese, uh, macaroni and cheese. Right. That right. is delicious. Publix Deli. Just not that we get paid for this, but uh, yeah, it's awesome. Go eat the tiramisu. <laughs> it's delicious. They have tiramisu at Publix. Oh yeah, and it is. It's it's not like legit legit Italian tiramisu. It's more like a cakey tiramisu, but it is so good. Like it yeah. is. It's really well done. Um, Publix doesn't slouch, man. They uh, they make good stuff. I think they're. Uh, I've I've heard some people say some not so nice things about them, so I'm sure there are things that I don't know. But I've, they're who's here, and so that's where I go to, and they always yeah. treat me well, so I'm not gonna complain. They've got great <laughs> customer service. Yeah. All, all the employees, if you ask them a question, they're ready to drop what they're doing to help you. Mm-hmm. They're all yeah. great. Yeah. They're all great. I think it's wonderful how often the uh, they they insist on trying to help me carry stuff out. It's like I, because now I'm I'm think I'm old enough to be offended by that and so yeah. I question whether or not I should be offended by it like do I look <laughs> incapable even yeah. though that's not even close to what they're suggesting yeah but it's um yeah they're always on top of it they're really nice yeah I've never I've never yeah. allowed anybody to carry mine for me either I just can't bring myself to do it yeah it feels do. it feels I don't know I'm like you don't have time to do that do something that's yeah. valuable you know I can do this I'm a big strong man <laughs> yeah it's like I thank you but I, I got this I got yeah this. So yep. yeah, Publix, Publix tiramisu, it's awesome. It's delicious. Now you're making me hungry. Right. Mm, where's my drinky drink going? Compton, I, how are um, we doing on time? I'm I'm concerned that I might have uh, responsibilities that I need to tend to before I go on stage tonight. I will let you off the hook then, because we are at uh, 88 minutes. Okay. And um and I don't have a time limit, so I can I, I could keep you here for a really no, really I'm, long. I'm time. just I'm learning a bunch of songs <laughs> to play with. No, I get it. I get it. With Rhonda Hart right now, and and uh, I've got more work that I have to do to. Uh, well, give us the the nickel dime rundown on uh, your regular spots and okay. how to find your music since we didn't play anything or anything like that. Oh right. Tell people how to find you. Oh okay. Um, before we get out of here. My name is Justin. Phobes, F as in Frank, O, B as in boy, E, mm -hmm. S as in Sally. There mm -hmm. is no R in my last name. It's not uh, a magazine. It's not a magazine. It's just Phobes. It's not Forbes. Uh, I wish it were Forbes. It would. I would be a lot easier to find on the internet. I think if if that because there's so many posts of. But you can Justin donate Forbes. to uh, the GoFundMe page to change Justin's name uh, to <laughs> Forbes. That's a great yeah. idea. <laughs> um, and so, uh, now that that's been said, um, I play every Wednesday in the main room at the Floribama from 6 to 10 with Rhonda Hart. Um, I play every Thursday at the Point Restaurant on Interrarity Point Road with the Old River String Band, and that consists of Christina Christian, Daryl Roberts, and Robin Kingry. I play every Friday evening at the Purple Parrot Resort Tiki Bar with... Rhonda Hart, and then every Saturday at um, at uh, Flip Daddy's in Orange Beach. It's a new spot next to the Ruby Slipper, in between the Ruby Slipper and uh, Live Bait. Mm -hmm. And I uh, play that with Rhonda Hart also, uh, and that's 3 to 7 in the afternoons. 
And then uh, every Sunday at brunch at Cobalt, uh, 11 to 2, with Christina Christian uh, in Orange Beach. And then um, Sunday evenings, I mix in other things. Saturday evenings, I mix, mix in other things. Um, this Saturday evening, I'll be playing with Chicago Bob Ravenscraft at the Pleasure Island Tiki at the uh, Pleasure Island Tiki Bar, um, and uh, that's in Orange Beach also. And then uh, this Sunday evening, I'll be playing with the uh, well. It, we're going to call it the Heartstrings, but it's Rhonda Hart, Robin Kingry, and Dave Callagher, and we'll be playing at the Lillian Community. Center or club? I, I you said club. Is it open to the public? It's not a private thing. I think it's a private thing. You have to press a button on the door to get in. But but uh, membership is really cheap. Oh, and, it's one uh, of those kind of deals. You membership at the door kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. And, and cool. Uh, kind of like a strip club. Maybe. No, maybe. No. Um, but uh, there's some bars that do that. It's a anyway. There are, there are great benefits to joining. Jokes, people. Yeah, there are benefits to joining the Lillian Community Center. Um, They've got great facilities. They have lots of uh, lots of parties and lots of uh, so. If you live in the area, it'd be a, it'd be a great place to, to be a member. Um, not just parties, but they, they do fundraisers for the for the uh, local um, community. And it sounds like the kind of place I could find a bridge game. They do have the thing that you slide. Shuffleboard. It's that it's up and it's yeah, off yeah. the ground. And it's like sand and the little weights. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. know, they have that. I've played that before there. I want to go curling. Have you ever been curling? Where is it going to be that cold? I don't give a shit. I got a car. I got to go north. <laughs> All right, right. I bet we could find a great curling match in Minnesota. Oh, my friends went out to Denver and went curling, and I, that was the only thing I regretted about not going on the trip. Not my, my buddy's bachelor party, just uh, curling. Curling. It's a horrible thing for me to say. I'm such an asshole. You missed the curling. I did. Dude, I missed it. But I, watched... I think that's because I like cheese, though, and they I, sound like curds and... I have watched the uh, the Olympic trials this year, uh, the curling Olympic trials. Yeah, the Olympics are traumatizing to me. That's why I got run over. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry. <laughs> um, I was just trying, just trying to wrap my head around the game. You know, why does this work? Why is it good? Hey, we're over 90 minutes, right? We are. Goodbye, everybody. We are. It's been fun. And uh, come see me tonight at the Parrot with Rhonda. It's going to be Hell awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Um, thank you, Compton, for spread the word. Me, thank you. Look forward to yeah. doing this again soon. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so Facebook Live, Alvita Zane, YouTube, Alvita Zane, and should we end it with a screen? For those of you tuning out on the podcast, truth, love, and peace. Ah.